And then when I was doing Monster Pod stuff, like I had to find something that didn't sound like a direct ripoff of the Adventure Zone. You want some distance there. Yeah. 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 I mean, we're already playing the same game, so. And those McElroys are litigious. Oh, you know? God. I love them. <laughs> the North Carolinians are coming. Are they from there? Oh, West Virginia. The West Virginians are coming for me. You're dead. You'll be dead for 30 years. So, welcome to Boohaha. I am Emily Faye Coleman. <laughs> and I'm Avalon Leonetti. This is the outcome of a terrifying nightmarish body swap film. Uh, can I be Jamie Lee Curtis in this one? Only if I can be Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> of course. I was going to try to think of somebody from a different body swap movie. Jason Bateman in that movie where he swaps bodies with Ryan Reynolds? I would like to be the cat that Kevin Spacey became in Nine Lives. Oh, yeah. I would like to be the Pomeranian that Gary Busey became <laughs> in that movie where Gary Busey turns <laughs> into a Pomeranian. Uh, I found out that they re-remade Freaky Friday as a Disney Channel exclusive. With whom? I don't, uh, I don't recognize the people. Fair. Um, it looks awful the the pro the problem with a body swap is that you have to maintain that for like like any more than a day gets iffy because it's like yeah you're just pooping out of your mom's butt <laughs> right like i mean jamie lee was slamming all that activity <laughs> so i have to assume that Lindsay had to deal with the the outcome of that at some point i like the idea that Freaky Friday could have been solved in 10 minutes if Lindsay Lohan hadn't just been stuck on the can for two weeks. <laughs> it's weird. It was most of the movie. It's those probiotics. They will... And the cocaine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was the, the Zac Efron, Matthew Perry one? Uh, 17 again. There we go. I've never seen it. You know, that Zac Efron is really good. As a child, I had quite a large crush on Matthew Perry. Uh, you mean the best friend? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it was mostly a crush on Chandler Bing. It was uh, Matthew Perry, Mark Hoppus. Okay. Yeah, no, I could see that. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, all four of the 18s. Hmm. I, okay. Yeah, no, I see where you're coming mm-hmm. from. Like mm-hmm. as a group, kind of like a harem. Yeah. Okay. It, yeah. it was a collective thing because once they started going off and doing their own thing, well. I mean, one of them became a legit underwear model. But no. Okay. I thought you said the A team. No. <laughs> I'm talking about the Swedish A uh, ABBA cover band. Oh, this is. Do you not know about these guys? I am unfamiliar with the A teens. You were alive in 2001, right? I but I was in Europe and we were still just obsessed with actual ABBA. Sorry, ABBA. <laughs> I can't find my phone. <laughs> they only did one ABBA cover album. That and seems... then they kind of did their own thing. But they were formed like when they were 14 to be a cover band that just kind of took off. Interesting. So then, okay, they started with, with ABBA covers and mm-hmm, then they moved mm-hmm. on to non-ABBA covers? Yes. No, they were original. Well, yeah, they were original songs. Okay. Interesting. That's... They did cover Schools Out with Alice Cooper doing guest vocals on it. Oh, fun. This this is actually very far off topic. Yeah, um, <laughs> this is a podcast. So that ghosts. Is, <laughs> yeah, this is a podcast that is ostensibly about ghosts. I, I mean, technically, we were talking about the ghost of their career. That's entirely fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, poor Agneta. If we're just gonna talk about dead things, <laughs> they haven't really been doing anything. No. Um. So just just to probably cover that at the beginning, I have stolen this from you do we want to request bequeathed there we go i'll take a bequeathment bequeatheral bequeathal (laughs) gross um yeah so i uh i approached you because you you're being consumed by other projects yes monster pot has eaten my entire existence i'm just out there writing shit for my friends to wipe their ass with (laughs) little the the bitterness of a dm uh yeah i mean if you want to listen to your boyfriend and your best friends take 45 minutes to figure out how to unlock a door i highly recommend getting into dming oh this is why i stopped hanging out at bars (laughs) 
Um, yeah, so you are you are doing two fortnightly podcasts, which you would think the math on that would be like, oh, it's like doing a It's weekly. once a week. It's once yeah. a week at this point. Yeah, but it seems like it would be even more work than just a standard once a week podcast. Yes. Uh, the bonus is we only record Monster Pod once a month. That's handy. For three and a half hours. That seems like afterwards you would want to sleep and or shower. It kind of uh, shakes out to roughly the amount of time I spend on Boohaha not talking about the topic that we were doing, so I just don't have to find guests. You you get a little bit of continuity there and don't have to worry about me and uh, Michael Garcia going on for seven hours. I mean... Collectively, I think it probably was seven I hours. think Michael and I ended up watching like 10 minutes of an ABC Family video about the catacombs. That didn't make it into the show. My favorite part, at some point you reference, because it's the video of the guy who drops his camera. Yeah. Um, and at some point you're like, why is there an ABC Family logo on here? <laughs> Which... Not only that, it was also being narrated by uh, Tangina from Poltergeist. Huh. Oh, wait. No, yes. I remember what that show is. It was like Scariest Places on Earth or something. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so to get to get back on topic, um, the show is yours now. I I am taking stewardship of Buhaha. I am I am very excited. Uh, I have ghosts here in this apartment. It's insane. Here's the fun thing about this. I believe the woman who lived here before me might have died here. That doesn't surprise me. Also, this building looks, I would guess, like, what, 100 years old? Yeah, probably. it's about, it's about 100-ish. Um, at least one apartment here has ghosts in it. Yeah, at the very least. So, I think, so, the the woman who lived here before me, I can tell from her mail, was named Fern Glenn. So, she's old. Also a forest nymph. <laughs> that too, that too. Um, last of her kind, died in, died in the bedroom. Uh she did escape Fern Gully, though, so, like, good for her. Tim Curry was looking for... You know, that explains why he's outside my window yeah. <laughs> singing about ooze. Mm-hmm. He just got... He had to get that last one. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's impressive. You know, he got, he got her in the end. But about once a month, I will receive a piece of mail from a... Not, like, a funeral planning service. Not any kind of, like, gentle, vague thing. It is specifically a letter that says... The time is running out. Have you considered cremation? It is the most aggressively worded. I feel like they could probably soften their approach. You would think so, but and it's not always the same mailer, but it is always aggressively toned and like a real like the only thing missing is like a tapped watch. I mean, if I know anything about the funeral industry, it is that they are very aggressive. That is true and weird just based on the business that they do. I mean, you don't get people in very often. So if you have a customer, you got to upsell them on that first try. Otherwise, it could be a while before they come back to you. You don't you don't get a lot of repeat. You don't want. You don't want repeat, repeat customers. business. <laughs> so uh, I think Fern may have passed here. So maybe maybe she'll show up on a future episode. Yeah, I I mean, I think it it's good that this um podcast is for the most part recorded in uh, an apartment that is haunted. Um the one that I did the last couple episodes in super not haunted. Oh. Well, but the one before that the person who lived above me did kill himself. So Oh. It's mega haunted and he did it the night before my mom came to visit me for the first time since I moved out like on my own with no roommate. So like as she's walking up the front courtyard, they're wheeling a body out <laughs> come on in ma safe neighborhood what? don't worry he did it to himself it's fine it's not even on my floor that statistically makes your apartment slightly safer it was on my ceiling yeah yeah that's that's the one surface you don't well, use the weird thing is about a week after that um my ceiling fan just shut off like the lights and everything and when the maintenance guy came to fix it um all of the wires had been pulled out of the connector Ooh. That's yeah, and the connector would be within. In, in, it was in the ceiling. In the ceiling, mm-hmm. where the ghosts live. <laughs> yes. Yeah, or the chimney cousins. Call back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's like a recursive meta referential callback. Yeah. So, well, I'm glad you no longer live in in the spooky hole. 
also similar thing uh, i like that we're both by kind of busy loud places yeah it feels like a nice continuity yeah there's always going to be that bus noise in the background yeah they stop right outside oh yeah yeah that's the good stuff Mm, ground floor buses one o'clock in the morning great so ghosts so ghosts (laughs) um so i have I have prepared several options here. Oh, locals too. Um, all local ghosts, and this is in part to prove uh, prove a hypothesis that I am working on that Oregon doesn't have great ghosts. Our ghosts suck. Our serial killers are okay. Yeah, yeah, that's really just about the lay of the land. Uh, I have prepared a couple, including a few which are not technically ghosts. Um, you know, nothing like break and format immediately. I need to know what the technically. Uh... Well, it's one of those things where it's like, eh, is it a monster or is it the ghost of a monster? I like that it looks like you went back to 1976 to get some of these books new. <laughs> this has never uh, been open. I mean, I, f- I feel like you'll find most self-published books from the 70s do not have spine creases. <laughs> a couple of options that I'm just going to, to read out to you. Um This is from Oregon's Ghosts and Monsters by Mike Helm. Uh, Options here, we have the Klamath Lady, the Monster in Devil's Lake, the Troll of Horny Chess Man. Um, Yes, yes, (laughs) yes, that one. (laughs) Wait for it. Um, The Laughing Devil in Laughing Devil Canyon. Wonder how they got the name. My inner Ghost Hunters International is just like, oh, you mean echoes in a canyon. (laughs) There's a weird bird that lives at the bottom. Yeah, it's one of those Satan birds. And the other one, which if I can find the table of contents here. Oh, yes. Bandage Man. I'm going to vote for Troll. Okay, the the Troll of Horny Chess Man. And then I will just have to listen (laughs) to... Like to episodes after this to get the story of the bandage man uh the 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 joy that is bandage man well you also get to choose one uh choose one later oh yeah so uh we are we are tweaking the format very slightly and we are going 50 50 on uh on ghost as to not rely on guests to have ghost stories or say they don't have anything and then at the end like oh my family owns a haunted farm it's it's a mountain cabin technically it was a farm uh but yeah still uh Still not spooky. It turns out just lifting the roof off gets rid of all the ghosts. It just kind of airs it out. Yeah, it's like farting in bed. <laughs> so um, it turns out the Troll of Horny Chessman is quite short. Oh, Jesus, H. <laughs> this is, it is barely a it's paragraph. It's not so much a story as like a blurb. <laughs> um, nonetheless, uh, here it is. The Troll of Horny Chessman. <laughs> it could be Chessman. I think it's a place. It just sounds like a movie that Jason Mantokas would star in. <laughs> hey, I'm the horny chess man. Jerks. <laughs> Adrian Pimento is Jason Mantokas is. <laughs> With a special cameo by that creepy medium from Poltergeist. <laughs> So she points at Jason Manzoukas like he comes out of the bathroom and like drops his towel and she points at his crotch and says that house is not clean it <laughs> <laughs> oh, writes itself so the troll of horny chess man horny chess man believe it or not is a campsite about 15 miles from seaside in an extremely rugged and isolated area of the coast range. Excuse me, I need to make uh, summer plans for camping. (laughs) We summer at Horny Chessman. (laughs) Love to rent a yurt there. (laughs) Seems like it would be too obvious to pitch a tent. (laughs) That is the slogan of Horny. Like, there's a sign that says, like, welcome to Horny. pitch a tent here. (laughs) <laughs> you would, and then the like the fun image on the sign is just a guy lying on his back <laughs> with the tent, but it's his boner. Of course, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm glad you took the time to explain. The listeners of this definitely wouldn't have gone to. I was to gesturing, boner. but uh, mm-hmm. I didn't. You know, don't want to leave anything to the imagination. Unlike the horny chess man. <laughs> hmm. I don't know if chessman makes it any better. It's not, uh, it's, it's, it, that kind of sounds like a, like a sociable cracker. 
Like, <laughs> I'm going to have some chessmans. <laughs> though there is a pepperidge farm cookie that has like chess pieces on the front oh that's like a shortbread cookie Hmm. that sounds i would have preferred something savory for i mean just you know i'm thinking of chess i don't think dessert really yeah is that more of a checkers thing yeah yeah. like you could play checkers with oreos interesting is that the logic of these candies is that you you'd have to do it with like oreos and nulla wafers oh there oh that seems like it'd be a good mix well no because then one person gets a cream filling and the other person just gets like dry garbage well here you go you twist off the bottom of the oreo and then you can you can share with your with your with your nilla friends the loser still doesn't get any of the cream filling that's incentive to win (laughs) you want the cream this is like for once uh checkers is going to be mildly engaging <laughs> so along the coastal range lies horny chessmen <laughs> campers at horny chessmen have occasionally seen a six foot tall bear-like animal that's that's bigfoot guys it's not a troll. Or a bear. It's a bear. <laughs> it's just a bear. A troll is small. A troll is Danny DeVito. Boy, boy, wait. So six foot tall bear-like animal who walks on two legs, like a bear, runs from humans. That is how bears do. And wrecks fort-like campsites. Oh, yeah. So it's a bear. Yeah. Okay. It's a bear. The, the troll of Horny Chessman is, is a bear. I did choose poorly. <laughs> uh this creature, oh, well, here we go. This creature may be Bigfoot or Sasquatch. I think it's a Sasquatch, the Bigfoot. Sasquatch is like the name. It's kind of like... Draculas and vampires. Yeah, yeah. Or like Babe is a pig, but like it, it's the Babe, a pig. Sure. Okay. So either the Bigfoot or a, a Sasquatch. Sasquatch. There we go. It may be Bigfoot or Sasquatch, but around Seaside... He's known as the Troll of Horny Chessmen. It's a methed out Bigfoot. (laughs) That's what there is in Seaside. (laughs) And the saddest aquarium on the Oregon coast. Um, I went there in high school and a seal purposefully drenched me. Because that front room is just the fucking seals. and It's open. There's not glass. It's bars, Mm -hmm. which is devastating now that i think about it like 10 years after the fact Mm -hmm. um but that little bitch just got its tail right in the water and i had to walk through the rest of the aquarium just like squishing in my kids smelling like uh seal water presumably yeah yeah like fish and buttholes i think is (laughs) not buttholes who are fishing but fish and buttholes no it's roughly the smell of when the butthole (laughs) surfers go fishing just a punk band that's damp. <laughs> oh, damp punk band is mm-hmm. horrifying. Damper punk band. <laughs> They're already moist Just from the punk. perpetually like a cave. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, people talk about the Sex Pistols all the time. You know what they don't talk about? It's all that mildew that just uh, just creeps up. Uh, yeah, try looking at a picture of the Ramones, imagining how they smelled. Any performing, like anybody who's on a stage under hot lights, Just I'm like, kind of like bakes it in. Oh, I, I'm sure that you have been in like the costume area of a theater department. I was the mascot for my high school for a very short period, and the costume was made for like a six foot tall, like high school boy. And me being a five foot six girl it was just a very floppy, loose. Like a tiger who had lost a lot of weight but hadn't, like, cocoa buttered. Uh, The inside of that head (laughs) smelled like the last day of Warp Tour. It was just... Jesus Christ. (laughs) And arguably, the head is probably the part that smells the best. The best. Out of the whole thing. I mercifully did not put my head, like, in the foot area. (laughs) Because it's designed for teenagers. Well, yeah, and the feet parts didn't fit me so it was just like a shitty pair of vans sticking out of the bottom (laughs) so that is that is the the troll of horny chessmen would seeing as how you i would love to hear about the bandage man i feel like i need to experience it as a listener 
If this is just like a mummy, I'm going to be very upset. You can't rebrand stuff that already exists, troll. The Bandage Man. Among malevolent inhuman spirits, i.e. evil spirits. All right, Ed Warren, calm down. (laughs) Evil spirits that harass human beings, causing all manner of discomfort and distress. The Phantom Mummy. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. Well, okay. It is... Like in Oregon, so there's got to be another wrinkle to it. It's not just like King Tut shows up and he's like, I love the coast. Uh, I mean, I you could say that, but also there were episodes of Scooby-Doo when there was like a fucking old sea captain that wouldn't have been around there at any point in history. I think they met a mummy at one point, just like in a big house. Mm, that is that, that is a little bit more of an issue. If you don't, if you don't follow it up with like, also, there was that King Tut exhibit at the museum recently. Guys, uh, I watched a little bit of Scooby Doo the other week, and uh, the '60s were fucking wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Harlem Globetrotters were everywhere. Uh, and also like a little, a lot bit casually racist. Just uh, look at it. it's Geronimo, <laughs> generic Native American man. Like in Star Trek: The Motion Picture, like the entire crew of the Enterprise is assembled in a cargo bay to get their you know, meet their new captain or receive their orders. And in the background, there's just like some Native Americans, but they didn't update them. Like they didn't put them they in futuristic. They didn't give them new clothes? Nope. No, just like headbands and like dream catchers. Mm, checks out. Checks out. 2279. Very, very twilight way to approach it. Just, <laughs> did they get on the plane in that? Anyway. The bandage man. <laughs> yeah, Phantom it. mummy. Is one horrific creature. I, I'm sure that's what Velma said. <laughs> Jinkies. At night, it lurks on, this, on the short stretch of road from Highway 101 to Cannon Beach, where it waits for unsuspecting victims and jumps onto the back of their vehicles. It... it back to the futures, then? <laughs> uh, yes, which I feel like for a... A creature covered in bandages is also a a prelude to an Isadora Duncaning. It's just sketching its way down to Cannon Beach. Uh, I have no segue for this, but Huey Lewis and the Booze. <laughs> well, that's the name of the podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> that could also be like Huey Lewis's like harrowing story of recovery. <laughs> this isn't just a mummy. I uh, would assume not. The ghost takes the form of a blood-covered man who stinks of rotting flesh and is completely covered in oozing bandages. So not a mummy. No. I mean, in insofar as it, like, somebody in a sheet is a ghost. Okay. Okay. So, not. I mean, if it's Alec Baldwin under there, I'm going to be <laughs> delighted. We can hope. We can hope. We can but hope. Bandage man. Bandage man. <laughs> Some attacks have been blamed directly on the mummy because bits of stinking bandages are found at the scene. Locals say it has been known to eat dogs. All right. Well, that's just sound. Oh, no. No, it's okay. Oh, no. <laughs> she just looked up like. <laughs> oh, sometimes I think Fawn can hear me when I'm saying terrible things about dogs. <laughs> oh, she looks really sad now. <laughs> This is terrifying for my dog. (laughs) So locals say it has been known to eat dogs and has murdered some people. (laughs) Although there is no evidence to support this. Thoughts? I'm going to need like a time period. Uh, from, From the 60s until now. Does the book have a published date? I need to know when this person was doing their research. Does this predate county death records? <laughs> Does this predate police? This was published in 2001. Oh, God. And printed in Canada. Well. Thanks, Trump. It's also written by Susan Smitten, which is really fun. That's a real name for a real person. <laughs> Hi, I'm Susan Smitten. <laughs> 
The Bandage Man is decidedly bad press for a place that counts tourism as a major industry. Cannon Beach? Mm. Ooh, okay. They got that one rock. <laughs> oh, Cannon Beach is located in the three blocks between Highway and the Pacific on the northern Oregon coast. So yeah, three blocks. I like how in arguably the worst coastal cities is where they keep this stuff. <laughs> Go to Lincoln City. Gamble. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Is this book sponsored by the Lincoln City Board of Tourism? <laughs> they put on a comedy festival last year. They've got enough money to put a smear campaign out on the beautiful places. If you can afford Ron Funches, you can afford <laughs> to destroy a town. Uh, Tony C., this comic who now lives in England, he, had this, he used to host a show out in Lincoln City, and he was talking about how up until like the 60s it was five cities or five small towns. They let the local elementary kids name it, And he's like, you don't know how lucky you are. Like, fart Oregon. (laughs) Or if you're lucky, Voltron. (laughs) Uh, Tony C., we miss you. So the Bandage Man is bad tourism for Cannon Beach. Uh, The city was named after a small iron cannon that came ashore in 1846. They named it after trash that washed (laughs) up on shore? Come on down to Driftwood and Condoms, Oregon. (laughs) Welcome to Japanese Trash City. <laughs> Gamma Radiationton. <laughs> so the cannon itself came from a shipwrecked U.S. Navy survey schooner called the Shark. Which, fun fact, if you go to the uh, the Maritime Museum in Astoria, you can see the rock where uh, after the ship was uh, after the ship crashed, they carved into a rock. The shark was lost. <laughs> <laughs> which with any other name would sound haunting but you're just like good <laughs> elsewhere great that must have taken so much time <laughs> as you're dying of dehydration on the shore <laughs> my arms just got a chisel scritch 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 ow <laughs> cannon beach holds kite festivals and sandcastle competitions as a way of attracting tourists to the area the beach itself extends for about four miles along the pacific ocean coast with a tiny population of just over 1,500 people, it doesn't take long for stories, especially creepy ghost stories, to get around. So what I'm taking from this is, at one point, Gladys was driving home to Cannon Beach. She hit a bag of road trash, <laughs> and some of it stuck to her bumper. Now, when you say road trash, let's call it what it is. A trucker <laughs> shit in a bag... And like a McDonald's bag. <laughs> and threw it out the window. Like, just a little bit of toilet paper in there. Just, just enough. All these stinking bandages. <laughs> they must be old. They're falling apart. What is concerning to me is the bloody factor. 76% of Americans have hemorrhoids, and that, that number for long-haul truck drivers has got to be approaching 95. My father was a truck driver. And butt blood? <laughs> I, you know, I haven't really discussed it with good old Steve Coleman, but... <laughs> I have to imagine it came up at some point. Steve, if you're listening, call in. <laughs> um, my dad still calls my podcast blogs, so chances are he's off working on his models. <laughs> uh, yeah, call call in on your uh, on your uh, rotary phone. <laughs> now the next part is is a kind of cop out that I love in ghost books. Where the bandage man came from mm-hmm. is up for debate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One account suggests it is the vengeful spirit of a logger who was cut to pieces in a nearby sawmill. Well, maybe if you hadn't pissed off that guy from Fargo. <laughs> You've used our working at a sawmill. You know what you're signing up for. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much just like, well, I'm going to make some money and then I'm going to die horribly. It's like being a postal worker and being like, I'll never get a paper cut. No, no, no. I'll never go on a shooting spree. Oh. They've been good about that recently. Knock on wood. In his book, Oregon Ghosts and Monsters, hey, that's the other one. Mike Helm interviews a local who believes the man was killed in a coastal landslide and returned a few days later to exact revenge for his untimely death. On the land? (laughs) I hate the hill. (laughs) Who's he blaming for the landslide? Erosion! <laughs> what fucking interview? I was killed in landslide of bandages. <laughs> that doesn't explain... Like, if he died in a landslide, did they, like, did they mummy up his corpse just for the fuck of it? 
<laughs> it might date back to that period when there was a huge mummy trafficking problem <laughs> and one just fell off the truck. And and before somebody could eat it. <laughs> For health benefits. Yeah, before somebody could eat it or before uh, Whistler could grind it up and use it to paint his mother. Um, uh, wait, what? <clears throat> Whistler's mom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that makes sense. <laughs> That's right there. Uh, yeah, there's mummy brown in that. Yeah. Delicious. It's nice to get a second life, I guess, you know, just as... Someone's mom? Yeah. Nice rocking chair. (laughs) The book has one last thing to say, which is, if you're out for a drive in the area on a stormy night, try to avoid the creepy stretch of Highway 101. If you're headed to the coast on the worst possible time to go to the coast, keep an eye out for something that's probably not there. Also, uh, keep an eye out for those uh, tsunami evacuation routes. Yeah. Just keep that in mind, too. So that was the bandage man. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to I'm going to c- consult uh, the second thing here just to see if there's a little bit. Oh, we're cross referencing. Uh, you know, hey, research in real time, right? Five goofiest legends of the Oregon coast. <laughs> Goofy. Goofy is not the descriptor you want in your. <laughs> um, uh, some fun titles: the Seal Rock Sea Monster. Cannon Beach's Haystack Rock is man-made. I don't know why that's a... Well, no, I'm writing that down for later. <laughs> Goofiest legend. Okay. Wow, th- that must have also been sponsored by Lincoln City's Tourism Board. Haystack Rock is made of paper mache. Come to Lincoln City. Uh, the first line of this is, he's like a particularly low-budget version of the mummy for the Cannon Beach area. <laughs> oh. The legend supposedly goes all the way back to the 40s or even earlier and includes Old Bill's Tavern based on what I'm reading in, in Mike Helm's book is, is where this, uh, the aforementioned interview was conducted. Mm, mm. Uh, we also have secret government facility in coast range. That yeah, actually could be a um, thing. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'm not gonna. Hmm. It's out there by that Scientology prison. That's actually like a work camp where they say they keep, um, Miscavige's wife. Oh, okay. Allegedly. Well, that's where they're keeping Shelly. She deserves better than that. Better than the pristine Oregon coast? Yeah. As seen from like a weird uh, Silence of the Lambs pit? So in in the Mike Helm book, there is an interview about Bandage Man. And uh, Mike Helm went around and he conducted interviews and he talked to uh, what I can only picture as a grizzled sea captain. And he says, Now there are a lot of people who tell you they've seen Bandage Man. He's jumped on their pickups, station wagons, and even a sports car or two. Not the Kia. <laughs> you scratch the wood paneling on the wagoneer. Oh, beans, I just got it detailed. <laughs> he always attacks right about the same place. That stretch of road out toward 101. And he's always disappeared as soon as the car got to Cannon Beach. Never seen during the day either. In my head, this man is dressed like the Gorton's fish mascot. <laughs> Just the man in like <laughs> a yellow raincoat, actively rain slicking. <laughs> it's for some reason raining just on him. <laughs> he looks like he's made of wood. He brought a ship's wheel, <laughs> holding a fish, <laughs> pouring mints into its mouth. <laughs> so then a cowboy comes in and says, "There are exceptions." Then the original uh, coastal hillbilly says, "Yeah, I'm getting to that." Two exceptions. One evening, this fellow came in here and said he saw a mummy carry away a hitchhiker. Just, like, pick him up out of the booth. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just like, just like a guy standing on the side of the road, and then, like, just stereotypical mummy coming in. <laughs> just grab him. The fellow was scared to death, and he'd already called the police, but, of course, they couldn't find anything. The man, he was from California driving down the coast on his way home. Well, to be fair, this was probably the 70s when hitchhikers could just go missing. You know, if I was going to abduct and murder a hitchhiker, I'd probably cover myself in bandages. It'd be a fun new twist. It would, you know? Easy to get rid of, too. Why Henry Lee Lucas it? Be a one-eyed <laughs> drifter when you could be a mummy. Uh, he saw a mummy in the trees, but it was almost dark, and he thought, that's impossible. <laughs> You're not wrong. He had never heard of the bandage man. 
there's like 15 pages on the bandage man here. So I'm not going to go much further into detail on that. Um, needless to say, uh, Mike Helm is nothing if not thorough. <laughs> um, excuse me. We read the troll story and I feel like it was lacking in anecdotal information. <laughs> I'd like to think that that's something that he inferred from like a one sentence reference and like, after countless hours of cross-referencing and research, he's like, I got a paragraph. I got a paragraph about the horny chest dude. So yeah, that's uh, that's the uh, the joy that is the bandage man. I mean, the the troll was very easy to explain. That one... <laughs> it's, it's really hard to be like... Because even if it was the dude who died in the shipwreck or whatever... The landslide. Oh, the landslide. The yes. landslide. Wasn't there a shipwreck? No, that was just about the cannon that came ashore. Yes, the history of Cannon Beach's name. It's a story so boring I have already forgotten. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I don't know. Like, if you were to spin a yarn, just say that it's somebody who escaped from a hospital and got run down on the road. That would probably be the most likely. Yeah. Ambulance crash. Top of the dome. Just saying. Yeah. Maybe don't go with landslide victim who... I mean, maybe he's a little upset, but exacting revenge on who? You would have to spin out so much. Like, he had spent his life railing against the construction of Highway 101. He's like, the, the, the hill won't take it. The structure is not sound. The loam. The loam. <laughs> it's just fucking Maurice from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> If it's that, like if it's if it's a like a long civil planning story, <laughs> sure. A little bit of revenge, I get it. Um Argos suck a little bit. I you know, when I was thinking about the concept, I'm like, oh, it would be cool to have like just Oregon ghosts, and then like if an out of state guest comes in, they can tell me a go we can get a like ghost their story local from local ghost story. Yeah. Uh but the Oregon thing, I just think it's not gonna hold water. Um, we have a lot of haunted lighthouses, but they are very non-specifically haunted. There's a, yeah, it's always like, there was a dude there, and now there's a ghost, so, you know, do the math. <laughs> Sometimes you can hear the stairs creaking, the wooden stairs in this damp environment. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a tall, thin wind catcher. <laughs> So it's where we yeah. made someone live during the shittiest weather. So other people didn't die. Uh, hello, I'm Dodd Williams and summer is on its way. As the Pacific Northwest begins to dry out, no doubt you, like so many others, are casting your eyes westward to the majestic Pacific Ocean. The coast beckons to be sure, but where will you go? North to Astoria? To be kidnapped by Fratellis or evicted by greedy real estate developers? Maybe to Seaside, home of the Northwest's most depressing aquarium and seal prison. Or perhaps to Cannon Beach to see the quote-unquote natural splendor of Haystack Rock. What if I were to tell you that there was a place on the coast free from trolls, bandage men, and meth yetis? A place far from towns named after ocean garbage and a nuclear launch facility hidden inside an artificial rock that looks like a haystack. A place so good and pure that our town's children, when given the option, refrain from naming it Voltron or Fart. Sound too good to be true? I assure you, it is not. Just ask any of the 9,000 non-bandaged men and women who have chosen to make Lincoln City their homes. Take it from me, Dodd Williams, the mayor. <clears throat> um, okay, well, um, your turn. Ooh, this one looks more modern. And self-published. Mm, oh, yes. No publishing house is going to let you use that font. Oh, look at this man. Oh, look at this man. He does CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. His name is Todd Cobb. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> The sound of something being dropped twice. <laughs> uh, it looks like his about the author picture is a selfie. The Meyer and Frank building. Ghost dog, Edgefield. This one is just in quotes, I won't let it hurt you. Okay, let's go to page 33. <laughs> this is like the worst choose your own adventure. This looks more like someone's uh, creative writing project from there. Mm-hmm. Why not both? <laughs> 
Portland by Gaslight. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Commodore Grocery was just down the street from where I used to live. Okay, Ooh. so page 59. We're going to gonna dignify that with a mm, old town pizza i went in there like once a week for the last however long i've lived or worked where i do in chinatown and uh never seen a fucking ghost once you've never seen um what is it nana uh, nina or something yeah. it's nina jesus no the ghost says it was different uh um i have literally eaten pizza where she was supposed to have died, and I have not seen jack shit. At some point, I think, like... This is so unread that it's hard to, like, flip between <laughs> pages. <laughs> it's hard to actually manipulate the book. Okay. We're going to do Commodore Grocery. There's pictures in this one. Ooh, we have uh, we have visual aids. Which is great for an audio medium. <laughs> um... This is like four pages, but the font is big. <laughs> it's real, and it's almost like double spaced. The, so. the heading fonts I can only describe as spooky papyrus. <laughs> uh, that font is called Bandage Man Bandages. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the Commodore Grocery is located at six twenty one Southwest Sixteenth Avenue. You need to do any shopping. <laughs> A small, narrow store about three times as long as it is wide. I can picture Todd in there with, like, a tape measure. Um, <laughs> it's more East Coast bodega than a 7-Eleven era convenience store. What? It's an, in, it's an independently owned convenience store. Is there an era of 7-Eleven? Is that where we're living now? Yeah, I think. Oh. Kind of like that fight clubby, like. Sure, there's the uh, the Bronze Age, the mm-hmm. Iron Age, and then the 7-Eleven Age. <laughs> you know, the Han Dynasty, the Ming Dynasty. And then the Wawa Dynasty. <laughs> Which is arguably my favorite. The pottery was amazing. <laughs> the grocery is situated in a corner of the historic Commodore Building, an Art Deco tower built on the sloping corner of 16th Avenue and Morrison Street, just north of downtown. Um, the building I lived in was owned by the same people. Now, I actually, uh, I went and looked in an apartment in the Commodore. Um, and uh, Did you I talk to Jason? It's been, it's been so long, like all of the apartments I didn't move into have just faded into oh, yeah. a blur of property managers. Sixteen, <laughs> um, yeah, just uh, north of downtown. Constructed in 1925, the Commodore building is an impressive structure designed by Herman Brookman. Except it's line broken, so it looks like Herman Brookman, <laughs> a renowned architect originally from New York City, who eventually became one of the Northwest's most notable builders. The Commodore building is imposing, and despite the bright colors, the result of a recent paint job, thanks to income property management, um, there's something exceedingly gothic about the structure in addition to its Art Deco adornments. We're really editorializing the building. Todd really has a boner for this uh, architecture. Cobb Love Deco. <laughs> I think that's the name of his blog. <laughs> Decob. Cobb Love Deco dot pizza. <laughs> it's dot Todd. <laughs> Art Deco dot Todd. <laughs> I'm just picturing a, a much more hellish version of the internet where like everything is made of puka shells. <laughs> Every Ethernet cable. <laughs> For some reason, there's just a Jimmy Eat World song playing quietly in the back, like a MIDI version. That's the modem connection sound. <laughs> Sponsored by Hurley. Um, surrounded by 1970s-style cold glass and steel structures, the Commodore has character, a face, and looking at it, you can almost feel a presence. Now immediately across the street is another hundred year old brick building. So I don't know what Todd is talking about. (laughs) Todd has a certain kind of blindness where you can only see the Commodore. (laughs) There's also like the Tiffany centers right across the street from it. Nah, fuck that shit. It's not looking at me. (laughs) Uh, The grocery is located a few blocks from the office where I used to work. And for a while I would stop in there just about every day to buy cigarettes. One day after I just signed the contract to write this book, you did not. <laughs> the, the con- one, mm. You sent your mom an email like, hey, mom, I'm doing it. One day after I was given a postcard about self-publishing, I... <laughs> <laughs> 
written the contract. Contract my ass. Fuck you, Todd. (laughs) I've written live journal posts better than this book. If you listeners would like to complain, go to (laughs) cob.todd. And you will just find a little gif of a construction (laughs) worker. (laughs) This blog just called Todd on the Cob. (laughs) I review corn. (laughs) Now here we have the Northwestern white. Now I've used an unsalted butter on this one as I find the salted to obstruct the flavor of the kernels. That's also the category of human being that I describe myself as. Corn on the cob reviewer. I was going to say the Northwestern white. (laughs) (laughs) So are there ghosts? (laughs) Or is it just a lovely building? I know, man. I think you just really like this convenience store. I walked into the Commodore at my usual time. Robin Smith was the clerk. (laughs) Don't drag Robin into this. Who worked most afternoons when I would stop in. Robin was 27 years old at the time, originally from Michigan, and she was working at the Commodore while saving money for law school. I just want a dead person, Todd. When I walked into the Commodore that day, Robin asked how it was going, and I told her, fantastic, I just signed a contract to write a book about ghosts in Portland. Uh, Methinks the cob doth protest to corn. (laughs) That was all I had time to get out before she waved her hands in the air, took a couple of quick, deep breaths. A hesitant stepped back and said, oh my God, just this morning. (laughs) She went on to tell me about a strange experience she'd had in the store just a few hours before I walked in. On the afternoon of March 24th. Oh shit. Oh shit. What is today? Oh my God. It's the 22nd. Ah, fuck. Damn. So close. Um, On the afternoon of March 24th, 2006, Robin was at her normal place behind the counter working the New York Times crossword puzzle and talking to her friend Kendall, who'd stopped by on her way to work. So, okay, the level of granularity that we are achieving. Oh, just wait. What was Kendall wearing? The rain in Portland hangs on through March, April, and May, but that day was unseasonably clear and sunny. Kendall and Robin were talking about their plans for the weekend. When Robin noticed Kendall kept looking down the length of the store towards the back where the coolers were. Someone needs to teach Todd about punctuation. Just a comma. Robin kept talking until she noticed her friend was beginning to seem a little uncomfortable. Finally, she said, what are you looking at? You know, there's a fun way to find out. Just look where they're looking. Kendall whispered, we're not alone in here. In a public place. <laughs> like, yeah, they're customers, you fucking loon. <laughs> Robin leaned over the counter and looked down toward the back, but she didn't see anyone. <gasps> Here's a photo of the inside of the store. Ooh, is that a deli case? No, they're not that fancy. Why do they have so many bananas? Uh, actually, oh, maybe that's the ice cream cooler. Uh, anyway, <laughs> now she's gone, Kendall said. I'll see her one second and then look away. And when I look back, she's gone. Is there anyone working in the stock room? Kendall, you are seeing your reflection in the beer cooler in the back. <laughs> Kendall's a dog and she's just barking at a reflection. <laughs> Robin said no, there was no one else in the building. And the only way in or out was the front door. Robin asked Kendall to describe the person she'd seen. And this is what she told her. She's short, maybe less than five feet. She has on a dirty white jacket or hoodie, and she has long, really dark hair pulled back into a ponytail. Now, I believe I initially hazarded a guess as to what this ghost might be. A homeless person? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kendall turned back towards the coolers and said, there she is again. But it was in italics, so you know it's... (gasps) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she said it in italics. That's how you know it's serious. That's why I'm writing my book in all italics, so you know it's serious. That feels like it would give me a headache. Uh, But when Robin (laughs) leaned over the counter again to look, there was nobody down there. (laughs) Kendall said, when I read bad things, I can see Neil Gaiman in my head. And he is just like, I put so much work into stuff. And then there are people out there who can just sell this. (laughs) (laughs) It's really, it's it's the kind of feeling that like somebody at an incredibly elaborate five-star, like Michelin star restaurant must have when it's like you've spent an hour constructing a, a, a thin caramel lattice work and then somebody just goes like nah chomp 
<laughs> I was thinking or someone looks at it and says, mm, that mac and cheese I had from a box was better. Every time you <laughs> self-publish something like this, Stephen King throws up in his mouth a little and he doesn't know why. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Well, we're about to hit a big plot point. Kendall said that the woman looked Native American to her and that she had a wrinkled round face and kept moving erratically between shelves in the cooler. Then she'd just disappear. After an awkward silence, Kendall said she had to get to work and that maybe her eyes had been playing tricks on her. She'd been up late the night before, but Robin noticed how unsettled her friend looked on the way out. That was one sentence. Oof. Cobb. <laughs> she told me that when she left, Kendall said something about the whole experience just feeling, quote, italics, wrong. Mostly when I describe a ghost phenomenon, it's always like, no, no, seemed right. Yeah, that's yeah. about right. When a, when a phantasm pierced the veil? Yeah made my day all of that sounded good to me if that wasn't a perfect ghost story at least it was a place to start so i told robin i'd like to interview her homeboy i think you just did <laughs> she gave you all the information if she could wait for just a few minutes i was going to run back to the office and get my tape recorder and notebook i guess this is before audio notes on phones yeah i mean Cobb probably just has a pager <laughs> Uh, she said she wasn't going anywhere, probably because she was still on shift. I'm at work, you <laughs> dildo. Uh, but for me to hurry, because she didn't feel like being in the store alone right then. I told her I would and hurried out. As soon as I stepped out into the March sunlight, it started to rain. One of those weird rains that fall from a sunny sky. It's Portland. Tuesday is what you're describing. I'm about to read a truly awful sentence, and I'm going to need you to bear with me. <laughs> the old timers say it means that the devil is beating his wife. Do they? It was thin and spitting, and the drops seemed like long strands of silver streaking down from the sky and telescoping in the bright sun. Each drop shot through with a tiny rainbow. I hurried back. Shut up, J.R.R. Tolkien. Jesus. Fuck. <laughs> Did he I also <laughs> drop acid at the Commodore <laughs> Grocer? Game two, 16 hours later in the Atacama Desert. <laughs> I hurried back towards the office, but only got a few blocks before a memory hit me, slamming into focus so hard that it stopped me in my tracks. I stood there in the rain and let the scene from several months before play through my mind. Do you picture him like Sherlock retroactive? Like a mind like, palace thing? Yeah, yeah. It was actually more like The Conjuring 2 when Vera Farmiga just like <laughs> slams back against the train seat and her nose starts bleeding. <laughs> No, that's us reading this. <laughs> Is that blood coming from my eye? I'm also stabbing a Bible. <laughs> Mom, who is that? It's a terrible author. <laughs> Don't look, Judy. <laughs> Don't look at the cobster. Can I put in a request for this episode to be titled Don't Look, Judy? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um. That or pitch your tent here. Uh, it had been late in the afternoon, and predictably I was on my way down to the Commodore for cigarettes. It was winter then, and I remember pulling my hat down over my eyes to keep my glasses dry. <laughs> and pulling my scarf a little tighter around my neck <laughs> against the cold. I'd rather be blind than damp. <laughs> Don't look, Judy. It's just like that fucking character from Fat Elf. <laughs> when I walked into the Commodore, there was no one behind the counter. The owner was in the back stock room, and I could hear her moving boxes and cans around. I knew from experience that all I had to do was wait, and she would be out when she reached a stopping point. This all feels unnecessary. So I waited. I was studying the display behind the register when I caught the hint of motion out of my peripheral vision. I looked down toward the back of the store, expecting to see the owner emerging from the stock room, but there was no one there. I thought that was strange. Maybe she'd come out for a second and then gone back into the stock room. So I went on waiting and I noticed it again, just a flash of movement at the very edge of my perception. I turned my head slowly and looked back into the store. That's when I saw her, a short woman with a dirty white coat and a long dark ponytail trailing down her back. She had a round face and I thought she looked either Native American or like an Eskimo. Was there a mirror behind her? How does he know about the ponytail? She might have been like moving around. Just pirouettes. Probably. <laughs> she was moving with a strange kind of jerking motion, like she was vibrating, walking back and forth between the shelf and shelf with the chips and the cooler. I didn't watch her for long, 
just a couple of seconds because something about the sight of her was unnerving. I couldn't put my finger on it, but just watching her for a few seconds, I felt all kinds of negative, upsetting emotions swell inside of me. I wasn't afraid, or if I was, I didn't know what was scaring me, but for the few seconds I looked at her, I felt a weird combination of fear and anxiety and sadness sweep across me. Just a period, every once in a while. Oh boy, roll, run on, cob. (laughs) Okay, so this, I still have like five pages. Oh, Jesus. And we're going to abridge. Please, Um, that's perfectly fine. (laughs) uh, So I'm going to be less reading and more just giving the highlights from the next five pages. Um, eh, Pulse racing. Did I need a cigarette that bad? Breathing calmed. I saw her again. Came out of nowhere. Mm, crouching down behind the shelves, then popped up. <laughs> oh, I thought there must be something wrong with her. Maybe she was mentally disabled. <laughs> What's upsetting about the story is just um, this part. <laughs> <laughs> what the interior, like the 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 hauntingly bleak interior monologue of the cobster. So basically, he stood there trying to ignore it, and then. Um, I noticed movement out of the corner of my eye. I didn't turn to look. I gripped the counter and kept facing forward. Besides, I didn't have to look because I knew it was going on. Something was approaching. The mental proximity alarm started to sound in my head, and I could feel someone coming closer, straight up the aisle toward me. We call that a spidey sense. When the owner appeared behind the counter, I had to choke back a cry. (laughs) It's hard to do a jump scare in a book. (laughs) I saw something else, a smudge, like a mark made by his half-charcoal pencil. When you Nope. (laughs) All right. He didn't enjoy this experience. Oh, no? Why? Uh, he had a rough night after that. <laughs> <laughs> was it because he didn't get cigarettes? Like- no, he did. Um, <laughs> he was just very scared. He couldn't figure out what happened. Now he was a block away from the grocery and the strange pre-spring shower. Living the experience. Okay. <laughs> um I feel like I can do the last page and a half. Uh, I met Robin at the Commodore bar next to the grocery later that afternoon. She filled in the details of the story I'd related above, but I didn't tell her about my own encounter because I wanted to hear what she had to say, uninfluenced by my in, un, by my information. The physical description of what both Kendall and I saw was almost identical. A short woman with erratic movement, the long dark ponytail, the strange sense of powerful, unsettling emotions. There was a slight difference in how he described her clothing. Kendall had thought she had a white coat or a hooded shirt on. I thought she was wearing a puffy kind of ski jacket, once white but stained gray and streaked with grime. I know that the mind will fill in details when memory draws a blank. That's why eyewitness testimony in court cases can be unreliable. Okay, Todd, get off your soapbox. And I wondered if that's what both Kendall and I were doing, filling in the blanks. Robin also told me that sometime in the building's history, the bar where we were meeting and the grocery next door had been occupied by a pharmacy. I immediately got a picture of what that place must have looked like. From like uh. a long wooden counter, maybe a soda fountain, and the staff dressed in the high-necked white smocks favored by pharmacists in the past. I'm going to look up what that fucking pharmacy looked like. I bet there was no fucking soda fountain. Could that... Well, I mean, at that point in time that I think he's describing, if high-necked smocks were a thing, um, soda was medicine, so... <laughs> Have another phosphate! When cocaine was still in coke. Uh, could that have been what the woman was wearing? No, something so anachronistic that both Kendall and I were, that both Kendall and I updated her clothing to a time or reference we were more familiar with. I don't know. Okay, sidebar, really quick. I'm going to assume that if this was a time when pharmacists wore high neck smocks, a uh, Native American woman wouldn't have had a yeah. Probs not. Probs not. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, racism in Portland would have been real high at that point. I did some research. Oh, good. Oh, my God. The last page. He finally, like, does research. I did some research into the history of the building after that. The apartments upstairs had once been a popular place for visiting sailors to flop. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I wasn't at a point in my life where when I look at the word flop, I just picture a penis. I was going to say, just I pictured a group of sailors putting their penises on a table. (laughs) Call that more of a slap than a flop. Ahoy! <laughs> there had indeed been a pharmacy on the location, and past and present tenants told more than a few tales of odd and unsettling encounters on the property. There was a, quote, woman in white, unquote, who haunted the halls of the building, a thin, distant wail trailing behind her like a cold winter wind, 
and a disquieting laugh that seemed to echo from the sealed basement under the bar. I was, for a second, I assumed it was a whale with an H. (laughs) (laughs) But a sad and distant one, so like a whale that needs lithium. (laughs) Good thing he's at a pharmacy. (laughs) And there was something else, something mischievous and unsettling that nobody wanted to discuss in detail. Troll, it was a troll. <laughs> Psychic <laughs> retrocognition is the act of seeing or sensing something from the past. It occurs spontaneously at times, although it is uncommon. Psychologist Gardner Murphy proposed the theory that the most traditional hauntings are actually cases of retrocognition, with an individual becoming mom- momentarily displaced in time and witnessing scenes or events from the past. If that's the case, how do you explain the strong wave of emotion both Kendall and I felt emanating from the apparition in the grocery? We were simply witnessing a moment from the past we're playing in front of us like a grainy old movie. Then how could we pick up on the mind and mood of the entity? I concluded that there had to be more to it. What that is, I'm not qualified to say. No shit. And that's the end of the story. You say psychic retrocognition. I say hobo and a gas leak. Apparently there's a ghost in the lake at Laurelhurst Park. There's probably a lot of things. Wait, that's a man-made lake and it's three inches deep. Um, <laughs> I mean, the story is called Lady in the Lake and the first sentence is Laurelhurst Park is an oasis of bucolic serenity sur- uh, located Ugh. along busy Southeast 39th Street and Stark Avenue in Portland. I hate Ty Cobb. <laughs> I should have read that one. That's only like three pages. Instead, <laughs> I read like nine pages of this grocery store might have a ghost. Do you think, like, you know how sometimes you can look at a written work and see the the seed that like from which the plant grew. Do you think he wrote that for like a creative writing class in jail or something? And, when uh, he was doing time for his third DUI, <laughs> probably. Uh, Cobb needed a pack of Paul Malls. He couldn't get all those Miller Lite cans out of the car fast enough. <laughs> oh God! Actually, he might be more of a Michelob Ultra man. Steel Reserve. I like. Where are we? Uh, Wow, that was... That was extensive, and I apologize. That's fine. I mean, look, this is a fantastic second or third data point in the Oregon doesn't have good ghosts folder. I will find one. I don't know how. I don't know where. The best, like, well-known Oregon story we have is the one from Old Town Pizza, where it's like a sex worker fell to her death, and, like, that's... I'm going to have to get... We have to get Sean Connery, not the one the listeners are thinking of. The yeah. local, the Portland. slightly angrier, <laughs> angrier and uh, less kilty, I guess. <laughs> that we know of. That we know of. Uh, probably the same amount of uh, bladed weapons, though. Probably like both have swords. Uh, but he used to do the Portland walking tour, so I feel like I okay. I'm gonna have to get him on to, to talk about Nana and all of those red balloons. We all ninety. 90- Eight of them? Ninety. Well, the reason she is haunting the pizza place is so she can find that 99th red balloon. <laughs> we do have the Shanghai Tunnels, which is less ghosts and more just horrible, horrible history. Yeah. The ghost adventurers were here, and they find shit everywhere, and they didn't find anything down there. Because all the tunnels are blocked off. There's also, like, there's dueling Shanghai Tunnel tour companies downtown. <laughs> Like they do, like West Side Story when they come across each other. It's yeah, it's just it's just two slightly different colored polo shirts. Um, but there's Portland walking tours who are like pretty on the ball and very factual, and mm-hmm. they'll tell you about like actual like there's there's a burial ground downtown where there's nothing nearby, but all of your EM meters will go off. They used to come through where I used to work, but it was during their food tours. But like generally, a very well educated group of people. Yeah. And then there's the other one um, where somebody who kind of looks like Danny DeVito with a wizard staff takes you into what is obviously the basement of Hobo's restaurant. Like they have they have thrown black cloth over all of their bar fridges and then they take you into the I'm doing the biggest quotation marks possible into the tunnels. And it's just like a thing. It's like there's some old box springs. I went on a ghost tour. Where we started at the Aladdin, not the Aladdin. Uh, no, maybe what's what's the, the one up the street? Yeah, the Baghdad. Yeah. We started at the Baghdad, and she just walked us up and down Hawthorne and told us ghost stories about places that we were not. <laughs> so, 
It was like listening to a live podcast outside in October. Now, if you were downtown, you'd be able to walk over to the. You're talking about like the Salem Asylum, and it's like, yeah, but we're fucking. You're on Hawthorne. There was an actual asylum there. There's still a bunch of dead bodies buried beneath Hawthorne. And then there was a story about like someone who saw a floating hat in a secondhand store on a corner like down here. I paid $30 for this. I can think of nothing more anticlimactic than a floating hat. I think at this point it would have been like two or three episodes of Booha ago. Mm. Um, I went to Canada and I went on that walking tour in Toronto Yeah, where it snowed in October. Um, Sounds about right. They did that right, though. They put a cloak on a Canadian goth girl, gave her a lantern, and she took us to places where there were like disembodied heads. Perfect. Um, it was a great tour. I would highly recommend it. We ended up at a haunted house. We did the EVP session that's at the end of the episode. Fucking nothing. But <laughs> there was a lady on the tour when we were doing the EVP thing, and the guide was like, Do, "Does anyone have any questions for the ghosts?" And this lady is like, I need to know the name of the spirit following me. And we're like, Jesus Christ, what? Shannon. Hello? Like, maybe open with that. There's a spirit following me. I just thought I'd take it around to see the sights. Just picturing the montage of snapshots. It's them at the CN Tower. Well, um, I, I, I feel like that's probably... This has been going for a while. This has been an hour and a half of content. Only um, an hour and a half. See, we're still not even at... Avalon original levels. We're, we, so this is an improvement. I guess to close out, anything spooky happened to you recently? Um, Not recently. I don't know. My dog is trying to like crawl beneath the couch cushions. <laughs> that story was so bad. She's like, I need out. <laughs> my dog is trying to tunnel out of my life. Um, yeah, new apartment building, not that haunted. It's a uh, I keep thinking I see something at my office building, but I'm almost positive it's just like weird reflections in the glass. So not a small Native American woman in a hoodie. Unfortunately, not not a lot of those in like '70s office buildings in Chinatown. But I do see a lot of people who match that description on the street. That sounds about right. That's um, probably the scariest thing that's happened to me is working in chinatown i had four different people as i was walking in front of the mission ask me if i had weed at seven forty-five in the morning on a tuesday oh boy so i think the the homelessness epidemic is probably the scariest thing That's... that i have to talk about <laughs> which is always like the best part of any of the portland ghost tours you're being given like complimentary donuts <laughs> there's a terrifying specter i'm like it's a terrifying specter of the american social support networks <laughs> It's not good. It's not good. Um, um, yeah, multiple occasions I've walked out the front door to see someone taking a shit. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, well, uh, where can our listeners find you now that you are no longer here? I am on Twitter at Emily F. Coleman. Um, you can also listen to Afternoonified. Uh, it's on on iTunes. Um, we talk about some very scary stuff there, like <laughs> architecture in Wisconsin and how Barbie was based off of a German call girl cartoon strip. Oh, oh, the, all right. Well, yeah, we'll get into that later. I'm subscribing. Um, and then if you head to <laughs> monsterpod.pizza, <laughs> the URL that I was bullied into paying $13 for, uh, at some point in April, you can uh, listen to Monster Pod, which is a Monster of the Week real play, role playing podcast where there are ghosts. <laughs> Not like a Todd Cobb story. Not like a are. Todd Cobb story. Uh, well, uh, excellent. Uh, and you can you can find me at Todd.Cobb, <laughs> where I, I blog uh, exclusively reviews of Todd Cobb's corn blog. <laughs> Wasn't that a rejected Arrested Development bit? <laughs> <laughs> that just describes the entire new season of Arrested Development. Um, <laughs> mm, let it die, guys. Let it Let it die. Maybe that's how we sign off every podcast. Let Let it it die. die. Let it die.